you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. All right, you can turn in Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 12 to 20 this morning. We're getting near the end of Jesus' wonderful words for our life. And um, so next week we will be wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. But I really felt like, you know, we ought to, as, as a church, continue to focus on Jesus. You know, just our hearts and our minds. So um, I thought we should go from the greatest sermon ever preached to the greatest stories ever told. So we're going to look at Jesus' parables um, in coming weeks for, for a couple of months. After next Sunday, which I want to share uh, about the vision of our church next Sunday, uh, to those who are new that are you know just getting to know us, I want you to know what we're about. And to those that have been here for a while, I want you to be reminded of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, so that will be um, a week from, or two weeks from today. Uh, so that's what we got going on. Uh, in on, for, for Sunday mornings, uh, but here uh, I got a message titled "A Multi-Purpose Shine" uh, for you today. Uh, so let's read these verses in Matthew seven twelve to twenty. So whatever you wished that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do rejoice in, in your word. This, uh, these good words of Jesus that um, help us in our life, help us um, to know how to follow, uh, how to live. And so we pray as we... Soak our hearts in them this morning that uh, your word would bear good fruit in our lives even today. I pray the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock, my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you seen uh, those books that uh, are titled 101 Uses for, you know, whatever? Like 101 Uses for Baking Soda. That's out there. Actually, you can find lists on the Internet now. You don't have to buy the book anymore. Uh, 30 uses for apple cider vinegar. You know, there's, there, there's all kinds of things out there. And they're just, you know, people telling us there's multi-purpose uses for, uh, for these everyday things in our homes. Did you know that you can use baking soda to keep flowers fresher longer? And you can use it to get burned food off of a pan. And you can use it to... Mix it with white toothpaste and plug nail holes in your wall. 
Did you, did you know that? Well, now you only have 98 more uses to figure out of, for, for baking soda. Did you know that apple cider vinegar can be used as weed killer and as a salad dressing? <laughs> Apparently, you can. Bob knew that, didn't you, Bob? Yeah, it can. Well, today, Jesus is giving us some uses for our light that he's put inside of us, and it should not surprise us that there, there is a multi-purpose to our light. Now, I told you probably a few weeks ago that we had just finished remodeling our kitchen in our home in, in July. And so some of the cool innovations that exist today have to do with lighting. And so we put a few canned lights in over our counters. And nowadays, you don't have to have the can that fits up into the ceiling. Now it's just a, more like a pancake light because it's LED. And you can just cut a little hole in the ceiling and put it just about anywhere you want. And it's got this little pigtail that comes off of it with a switch on it that you can pick the color of the light. So it can be that bright daylight, you know, white, cold, or it can be that warm glow, incandescent that we all uh, still still like. So all of, all of that is just from this little light. It's really cool. Well, the light that Jesus has given us, it has different colors as well. And verse 12 calls us to shine the color gold. It's a summation verse of all the law and the prophets of this sermon. And we know this as the golden rule. Verse 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody that's going to disagree with verse 12. I mean, you can ask any Hindu, any Muslim, any Buddhist, any humanist for that matter, and tell them, ask them about you know, what they think about that verse, and you're not going to get any, any disagreement. About all of the other religious traditions teach the golden rule, but they don't teach it in a form of shine your light. Uh, They teach it a little differently. They teach it like this. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So if you don't want to be robbed, don't rob other people. If you don't want to be lied to, don't lie to other people. (laughs) You get get the idea. Um, it's, It's doing good by abstaining from doing bad. Same principle that Jesus taught, but Jesus teaches it in a much more proactive Kind of way, and it, it makes a huge difference. It's not doing good by not doing bad, because it, it, that doesn't cost you anything. That, that, that doesn't uh, that doesn't put you out there. It's in someone's home that has COVID. Um, it, it doesn't. Uh, it, it 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 keeps you safe to to live life that way. It keeps you from getting involved. But Jesus' way is always a self-sacrificing kind of way. It is always a pick up your cross and follow me kind of way. And so he changes it and says, shine gold into the world and into the lives of people. Do the good to someone that you would wish them to do to you. Even if they don't deserve it, even if they don't appreciate it and say thank you, and even if it might hurt you. Do the good you would wish someone would do to you. In John chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus says, It says about Jesus, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So in him was life and the life was the light of men. So when he gives you that life through through faith in him, then he becomes your light. And that is going to go out into the world and it's going to shine into the darkness. It's going to extinguish darkness and it can do that by producing good. And when you do that, that shines the color gold. Cartier Carey of Hampton, Virginia, noticed during the pandemic that there was a shortage of diapers. 
And so he wanted to do something about that. So he started a lemonade stand. He's an 11-year-old boy. He started a lemonade stand. And uh, in the first month, he sold enough lemonade. And he, he also had a diaper drive going on. And he, so he collected enough diapers to give away 22,000 diapers to single moms during the pandemic. He says that his, his inspiration was Kobe Bryant, who was encouraging kids to be great. And he wanted to be great because of, of Kobe. And I was like, you know, that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about, except for us, Jesus is our inspiration, and we want him to be great <laughs> and not ourselves. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40, Jesus makes another summation of the law and the prophets. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the golden rule would be the how to do that. How to keep the two great commandments. John D. Roth, uh, he's a professor at Goshen University in Indiana. And he tells about an opportunity he had to shine this color in, in this difficult and dangerous situation. He says, late one evening while he was at a conference in Hamburg, Germany, he boarded a commuter train that was headed out to the suburbs. The train was pretty empty because it was such a late hour. And some minutes into his trip home, uh, an older man got onto the train car, and he was he was uh, suffering from a mental disability. And followed closely behind him were four teenagers, and they were kind of raucous and loud and laughing. They had all the chat tattoos and chains, and they immediately focused their attention on this older man and started throwing obscenities at him. And the four began to taunt him making humiliating references about his mental condition. One of the teens took a half-filled can of beer, shook it up, and sprayed the man in his face. And then, without warning, they started kicking him with their boots and punching him in his face. So John looked on with a mixture of horror and fear, and he says, I saw this terrible scene unfold before me. He says, I'm not a big man. I do not know any of the martial arts. I don't consider myself a brave person. Yet as a professing Christian, I knew with absolute certainty that I could not just sit back and let this old man get beat up mercilessly. So I whispered this prayer, God, please calm my fear and show me what to do. So without thinking, he got up and he walked toward this group and he stepped in between two of the teens and he said, Hans, in his best German, Hans, it's been such a long time since I've seen you. And he wrapped his arms around him and gave him a hug. And he picked him up and said, come and sit with me. We've got so much to catch up on. So they go shuffle back to the back of the train and, and they sit down. The old man was sitting there in the rear of the car. They sat there kind of wondering what was going on. The teens were talking amongst themselves, wondering what they should do. At the next stop, they got off. And at the next stop, Hans got off, mumbling a word of thanks. Well, you can imagine the variety of ways that we have every single day to shine the color gold into this world, into the lives of people all around us. It could be a very simple act, you know, like giving up a parking space to somebody or helping somebody with with their groceries. Um, it, it might be a phone call or an email just checking on somebody. It might, sh might be showing up at somebody's door to have a conversation, to have a face-to-face -face conversation in the middle of this time. Somebody that's lonely, you wouldn't believe how much that blesses people uh, when we do that today. 
It might be something difficult, like throwing yourself in the middle of a fight to protect somebody who's helpless. Or maybe being a peacemaker between, between two neighbors in your neighborhood. You know, but, but the opportunities are there, the possibilities are endless to shine some gold into the lives of other people. Another purpose for our shine is really one that's unique to believers. And that is that we must light the way. In verses 13 and 14, there's another summary statement, but this is not about the Law and the Prophets and the, and the Sermon on the Mount. This is about life and about two paths that people are on. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it <clears throat> are few. So very simple word pictures, but they're very sobering too. Very sobering word pictures, very sobering statistics in those words. There's two gates. One is wide, the other is narrow. One is the gate to life, the other is the gate to death. The narrow gate is Jesus. We know in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So he's the narrow gate. In John 10, verses 7 to 9, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door Of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the narrow gate. Do you know what the wide gate is? The golden rule. The golden rule is the wide gate. People who have not believed in Jesus are using the wide gate, using their good works to try and make up for all the bad stuff in their life, all of their mistakes, all of their messes. That is the way every other religion teaches. It is, here is what you have to do to get to God. And then they never say this, but in parentheses, maybe. No assurances in any other religion that you're going to be able to do what they say and get to God. Ours is, here is what God has done to get you to Him. Summary of world religions class. <laughs> so that's, 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 uh, that's kind of how it is. The, 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 uh, the wide gate is the golden rule, using our good works. Why is it so wide? Why do so many people go that way? It's because of this little thing in us called pride. Pride. If we can do something, if we can work our way out of the mess that we are in, by goodness, we will try. We will work to get better. There's a fun movie called A Knight's Tale. It's about a pauper's son named William who has a dream of becoming a knight. And uh, because he isn't of noble birth, it's not possible for him to become a knight. But his father plants his dream in his head that a man can change his stars. A man can change his destiny. A man can change his destination. So this little boy becomes a servant to a knight. And he travels all around with him all over the countryside doing these jousting matches. He grows up and the knight dies. And so William decides he's going to masquerade as a knight so he can survive and so he can compete in jousting matches. 
So he starts competing in all these jousting matches, and he starts winning. And every town he goes to, they are chanting his name, which isn't William. It's Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein. That's what they chose. Now, in one of these jousting matches, he goes up against the Prince of Wales. Now, anytime a knight knows that they are jousting against royalty, they would always withdraw because they didn't want to shame the crown by beating them, and they didn't want to injure their future king. But William didn't withdraw. He jousted the Prince of Wales to a draw, and they met in the middle of the field, and when the prince revealed his identity, and William said he knew it was him, the prince says, you knew it was me, you didn't, you didn't quit, you didn't withdraw? And William says, it is not in me to withdraw. It is not in us to not try and fix us. It is not in us. That is the state of man, to, to trust our own good work to, to fix and clean up the mess that we make. It gives us something to do, and it feels good to accomplish things. That is why the, wide, the gate is wide, because man is working their way, um, their way on. Now, why is the narrow gate hard? Why is it hard? Why is the why is it hard for those who trust are trusting Jesus for life? Well, a few reasons I think. Jesus' way is about dying to have life. It's about dying to have life. To enter his gate means that we believe that he is the son of God and that his death on the cross provides forgiveness for our sins and restores our relationship between us and his heavenly father. We believe that he rose from the grave and that's And that by believing in him, that he is our God personally leading us in our life, that we will have a future with him when we die. We'll be raised to life as well. So to give him that spot of being God in your life means that you have to give up that spot. And that's a hard thing to do, to give up ownership, to give up leadership of your life. It requires you to die. And it's hard because it's not in us to withdraw. Once you're following Christ every day, then it's a life of dying every day. Matthew 16, 24 and 25, Jesus says, um, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so dying is hard, but that's the way Jesus says leads to life. So the wide way is easy because you don't have to die. You're keeping on doing the good work to gain your salvation, and it feels good to do good work. People applaud you for doing good work, um, you know, getting stuff done, marking it off your list. But that is the easy way, and you're really living your way to a, to a death, to an eternal destruction in what, by what Jesus says. You know, I have never been one to really use the threat of eternal uh, destruction or, or hell to motivate someone to go from the wide way to the narrow way. But, you know, it is a great or should be a great motivator for believers to light the way to the narrow way. I mean, if, if, if we would uh, think about this, what Jesus said, that many people are on this way, on their way to destruction, and we know the way, truth, and the life, how can we not light the way? For those that are headed that direction. So think we step back here and we think, you know, we've been saved from hell. The few 
But the many are headed there. And so we should look at it. Hell is a real place. And it's described in, in the Bible as a place of a weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I don't know, I think as believers, we don't really think about hell too much because we're not going there. It's not our destination anymore. But we ought to think about it in terms of all the other people that are headed there. Listen to Romans 2, verses 5 to 11. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, parenthesis, Greg's parenthesis, it's not in me to withdraw, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. So in in that description, it's the two paths that Jesus is talking about. So we, we should think about this. Everyone we know, Everyone we know is going to have one of those two experiences described in those verses. Everyone. So it's either eternal life and peace and glory and honor and immortality, or it's terrible punishment, trouble, and calamity. God's righteous anger being poured out forever in eternal death. So how can we, who know the way, not like the way, for people who are on the wide way, now, in that movie, A Knight's Tale, William's charade eventually gets found out that he's pretending to be a knight. And so he gets arrested, and he gets sentenced to death, put in stocks in the street so that the crowd can abuse him. And so all of his victories and all of those jousting matches, all of the people chanting his name couldn't change the fact that he was just a pauper's son, and he was from Cheapside, and he could not be a knight. He was just the son of a Thatcher. Nobody. Now the Prince of Wales was standing in the crowd while William is in the stocks. And when he looks at him, he doesn't see a deceiver. He doesn't see a pauper. He sees a friend. And so he orders him to be released. And by his authority, he says, kneel down in front of me. And he knights him, Sir William Thatcher. And in an instant, he goes from being a pauper to being a knight. I thought, man, that's a great picture of what Jesus does for us. We do not have the ability to go from being a pauper to being a knight in our life because we're sinners and we can't change it. But by what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he did on the cross, when we kneel down in front of the king, he in an instant changes us, declares our sins forgiven by what he has done and not by what we have done. And he gives us life. And he sends us out to joust for the championship. Think about that. In your life, have you knelt before the king and said, I believe in you. I am yours. I trust you. Show me how to do this thing called life. 
And in an instant, he changed you from being a sinner to being a saint. Has that happened to you? Or are you still kind of trying to work the golden rule, you know, to get somewhere in life? If, if it hasn't happened to you, today is, could be your day. Could be your day. Right here, wherever you are online, kneeling down before the king. I believe in you. Show me how to live this life. Today could be your day. It's the narrow way. It's a hard way. It's dying every day. But Jesus says that's the way that that leads to life. Believer, we know. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We have got to shine our light on the narrow way. Because if we don't, who's going to? Who will? Finally, our light has the ability... To inspect fruit, whether it's good or bad. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So prophets were men who spoke for God to his people. False prophets were men who claimed to speak for God, but they really didn't. So in the Old Testament, an indication that someone was a false prophet was if they uh, called people away from the true and living God to follow after other gods. And so Deuteronomy 13 has some instructions on what to do when a false prophet appears in your midst. You're supposed to put him to death to extinguish the threat to the community and protect them. False prophets today do the very same thing. They show up and they make promises that lure, uh, lure and entice believers to chase after other gods. So they come looking good on the outside, but on the inside, they're not so good. <laughs> they're, they're evil. So what are some of the false gods that are available to us, for fa- available for false prophets to use to lure Christians away from the one true living God? What are those false gods? Well, there's many. There's the God of money. There's the God of sports. The God of work. The God of success, fame, education. The God of religion, politics, sex, and the God of health. Now, what is it that makes these things go from being good in our life to being gods? Well, it is when we begin to worship them. When we begin to sacrifice ourselves to have more of them. And all of these gods are readily available to us and there are many people who are very willing and able and would be glad to lead you down the path to chase after all of these other things except the Lord. Jesus tells us how to recognize false prophets in verses 16 and 20. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So the fruits that Jesus is talking about there would be how a person is living and what their influence is on other people. And so is the person walking, walking their talk? Are they practicing what they preach? And is their message something that influences people toward Jesus? You know, to and closer to Jesus, and only to Jesus. Is that their message? Second Peter chapter 2 is all about false prophets. 
And it ends with why we should use our light to inspect fruit. In verses 1 to 3, it says, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there were be, just as there will be false teachers among you. So that's just a statement to say, this is life. This is life in the church. This is life as a believer. There's going to be false teachers among you. They will clearly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. Who bought them, sorry. In this way, they will begin sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. So these are the wolves in sheep's clothing. They have ulterior motives. In 2 Peter 2, 12-14, it describes their bad fruit. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at things they do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. And then in verses 17 and 19, it says, These people are as useless as dried-up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. You will know them by their fruits. Now, the reason it's so important for us to use our light to be fruit inspectors is to protect ourselves and our community, our families and our church family, from falling away. And Second Peter 2 describes that experience. It says in verse 20, When people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they got saved, and then they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command that they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. So there is a threat to our life with God that we get lured back into our old life of sin or we get tangled up in a new life of sin and it ruins our witness. It abuses the grace of God and it shames the name of Jesus. Nothing good happens. And that doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. It happens over time. And when you have walked away from God as a believer, you, uh, you will think, there is no way I can go back to him. Why would he have me? I told him I didn't want him anymore. I wanted this other thing. Or you'll think, there's no way I'm going back to God. There's still got to be something better out there than Jesus. False prophets are a weapon of our enemy, Satan. And so when you are a believer in Jesus, Satan, he cannot have your life. Once you are saved, you're always saved. You can't undo that. God did something in you that you cannot undo. But you've also got freedom. 
to walk away. And that is a horrible life, as, as we have heard. And so Satan cannot have your life, but he can ruin it. And he can ruin your fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. And so he uses these false prophets to lure us away from a life of bearing good fruit for God. So before we go inspecting the fruit of other people's trees, we ought to turn the light on ourselves and inspect the fruit of our own tree. What is our life all about? What is it all about? Is it Jesus or something else? If you could sit down and hear God say to, God say to you, I'm, let God be the fruit inspector, would he say, hey, you are doing great bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Would he say that about your own life? You know, everything that God created reproduces. Have you filled up someone's life with the color gold by your good works? shone light on the narrow way of Jesus and showed somebody how to walk through that gate and then walk on that narrow way? Have you reproduced as a believer in your life? Do the fruits of the Spirit show up in you and bless other people? Are you practicing the one another's with your church family? Are you stuck at home afraid of COVID and not able to serve God? When was your last step of faith? Listen. The good fruit Jesus is talking about is someone whose heart is set on God. And their life is all about doing His will and doing His work. If you have been a Christian for a while, if you can read your Bible, if you can have a conversation with God, if you know how Jesus saved you, and you know what it's like to walk by faith and not by sight, then you have everything you need to be a fruit bearer in the kingdom of God. You've got everything you need. It doesn't matter if you've only been a believer one day. Cultivate the soil around your tree. Fertilize it. Feed your faith. Getting in the Word. Talking to God. Bring that alive. And then take it out of the house, out of your prayer closet, and show people your faith by your good works in their life, pointing people to Jesus. I love the way Dave Taylor did that with that family that was living next to the church that had never gone. I'm here to give you this food basket in the name of Jesus Christ. And what happened? The Lord worked in that in the conversation, and a family got saved. Incredible. That's how it works. That's fruit bearing in the kingdom. Listen, if your life is not about this. Cut the tree down. Throw it in the fire. Start growing a new one. And make Jesus the center of everything that's about you. And then watch your fruit. Because it'll be good. I want to have our worship team back up. And they're going to lead us in a, a song uh, to close. We've got, we've got some shining to do, don't we? We've got this multi-purpose light that is there for us to, to, to be able to shine uh, in, this, in this world. And so we're going to sing this song. You're going to know this song, but it's a prayer. This song can be a prayer right now for you to help you reorient your life
and begin to shine the way God is calling us to in this world. Let's stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, boy, we thank you for Jesus' words today and the challenge that they give us, the inspiration that they are um, to our lives. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us to live out these things that Jesus calls us to do. So I pray for those this morning that need to reorient their life, that you would be their vision, and that they would realize that no matter what their job title is, they are a disciple maker wherever they are. And we've been called to that work as believers in Christ. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see that. Give us feet that will obey that. Willing hearts to serve you. To make you great in this world and not ourselves. We pray you give us eyes to see places where we can shine that color gold with our good works into the lives of people. Letting them know, hey, it's because of Jesus that I'm I'm doing this. And see what happens in that kind of situation. Bless those situations this week, Lord, in our lives. We pray you'd bring people to our minds that need a touch from you. Neighbors, friends, people in the church we haven't seen for a while. Help us, Lord, to bring them to our hearts and minds, to lift them up in prayer, and then to go touch them with our life. Thank you that we're not in this alone. This is your mission, and you're calling us to that. So you send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, we pray, and all God's people say, Amen.